Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of friends explore movies through trivia. I'm one of these friends, KJ, and with me is... Tom. I'm Chris. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with four rapid-fire trivia questions and possibly a few bonus questions. Audience, feel free to play along from home. The first question is worth one point, and each question after that is worth one more point. Then, we'll follow it up with our famous movie rant, Where Anything Goes. Tom, tell us about today's movie. Walking up to theaters in 1987, we would have had to choose between Adventures in Babysitting, Inner Space, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise, Jaws 4, The Revenge, Robocop, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, The Lost Boys, Dirty Dancing, and today's movie, Monster Squad. Chris will be our questionnaire today. Chris, what is Monster Squad all about? In 1985, Warner Brothers and Amblin Entertainment struck gold with the classic group of children go on an adventure movie, The Goonies. Two years later, TriStar decides to see if lightning can strike twice by pitting a group of child adventurers versus the classic universal monsters of Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, The Mummy, and The Gill Man. As like any 80s movie, the one-liners are possibly the best part about this classic cult film. It's time for question one. All right, guys, I'm not going to lie. This movie has some of my favorite one-liners out of any 80s movie ever. So a lot of these questions do require very specific wording oh, no. of the answers. So hopefully <laughs> hopefully, you're paying lots of attention to all of these catchy little things as they were coming up. Yeah. And obviously, we got plenty of extra questions if we need to do a little tiebreaker here. All right, all right. let's let's... <laughs> I'm going to kind of jump around the movie. I'm not going to do it sequentially. So for our first question, I have this Rudy, who looks like an, a, a 1950s greaser, hanging out with a bunch of 12-year-olds, which is a little bit strange. But Rudy says, after he vanquishes the mummy, what is his line that he says that is a classic 1980s one-liner as the as the mummy is being unwound? A locked in. Audience, I, I wrote down a bunch of these lines in the show notes here. So, Tom, there's a bunch of them in the, the show notes mm-hmm. if you want to see, but I don't have any from the miniature Tom Cruise character, Rudy. Oh, no, I do. Mm-hmm. I have one. Oh, I have one, but it's got nothing to do with the mummy, so we'll save that because that might be a question. Let me think. Let me think. Audience, you can't see it, but KJ is currently reenacting the film on our our Zoom call as we're doing this. He's pulling back the arrow. He's tying (laughs) the mummy's bandage to it, and then he is shooting it and loosing the arrow into the air where it is currently affixing itself to a tree stump. And then Rudy vanquishes the mummy and says... I don't know if you remember, but the dog helps get the mummy's bandages to Rudy. It's a real quick cut, but I was excited that that dog played such a big part. Our friendly beagle. The friendly beagle. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's Rudy has a line about that dog that we'll bring up later. I, I don't think I have it perfect. Um, I, have the, I have the gist of it. I have no idea. I can't even think of a good joke. Locked in. All right, KJ. Well, you have a couple of extra seconds. What kind of random joke can you come up for the line that you have no idea what it is? He was all wound up. <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. Un- 
Tom, what do you what do, what do you what do you think to have to combat all wound uh, up? I think he says something like, um, see you later, dust breath. We're going to give Tom the point on this one because he's very, very close. He actually says, see you later, Band-Aid breath. Band-Aid breath. Which I thought was <laughs> right. pretty funny. I, <laughs> I've loved this movie for a long time, and I noticed all these one-liners, and I just I had to include them in these because they're just they're so good. They're so good. <laughs> Let's go ahead and try to do one that maybe is a little bit easier because this is the classic one that a lot of people know. This will be our, our two-point question. It's time for question two. How does the crew escape from the Wolfman when they first enter the haunted house? Oh, locked in. Locked in. All right, KJ, what do you got? How did they how did they escape the Wolfman when they first walked into the haunted house? Well, I don't know if you're looking for the line or not, but the line is Wolfman has nards. Tom, what about you? What do you got? Yeah, they say that after Fat Kid kicks him in the above said nards. Yep, that is that is correct. The name of the documentary that KJ referenced in last week's first impressions was that the documentary is named Wolfman Has Nards. That's where this comes from, because they do indeed kick the Wolfman in the nards to escape them. All right, after two questions, I believe Tom is in the lead with three points and KJ has two. So let's go ahead and go for another one of these famous one-liners that's in here. It's time for question three. Uh, one of the main characters' fathers is a cop, and the cop shows up towards the end of the movie trying to vanquish Dracula, who is attacking the children in the town square, which is obviously some backlot in Hollywood. As the bat is flying through, the cop shoots the bat, and the bat lands in an old abandoned warehouse and is now currently uh, bleeding a little bit as the cop walks up with a stick of dynamite, which... Who knows where that came from? <laughs> but he lights the stick of dynamite, and just as he's about to throw it at Dracula, he utters this famous line. And I say famous loosely, but what is the line that he says right before he throws the dynamite at Dracula? Little hint, it is another cheesy 80s one-liner. These are all 80s one-liners for sure. Locked in with a cheesy 80s one-liner that it's not going to be right. Yeah, I, I'll lock in. It's a one-liner from the movie, but I don't think it's the one with this scene. All right, Tom, what cheesy one-liner from the movie do you think it might be? I think he's a bogus. What about you, KJ? <laughs> Tom, I don't, that's that's said a lot in this movie. Um, I, I have the need. The need for speed <laughs> throws the dynamite at <laughs> Unfortunately, both of those are incorrect. At least one of those quotes came from the movie. So Tom might get, you know, a, a, an eighth of a point because of that. Uh, he actually he actually says, suck on this, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that is and very this, 80s. And that is right yeah. before he ends up sticking the dynamite in the wolfman's pants which is also another just erratic thing that happens in this movie. My wife came down and saw me watching this movie. As that scene is happening, she's like, what is going on right now? As the Wolfman is trying to pull himself back together. All right. Last question. We're currently Tom has three. KJ has, I believe, two. 3.15. All right. So this, <laughs> this question means it all. This could be everything. It's time for question four. Eugene is one of the youngest of the male squad, all right? And he seemed to always be the one that was finding the monsters before anybody else. It seemed like as if the monsters were stalking him a little bit. What happened when Eugene encountered the Gill Man slash creature from the Black Lagoon? Like, how did he find him? Yeah, so, I mean, there, there is a, it's another famous line, but at the same time, if you just tell me the scenario, I'll accept that as well. Okay. Locked in. 
Oh, I really don't remember. Um, the the kids are the kids are approaching the the manor, the house, the haunted house, or if you want to call it that. And then they're by the lakeside. Some of the kids are off doing something, and Eugene is off by himself doing something when the gill man pops out of the water. I'm gonna lock in uh, 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 with a guess. All right, what's that guess, Tom? Fishing. KJ, what about you? Gilman ate my Twinkie. And there it is. Oh. The Gilman ate my Twinkie. I think, I think it's actually the creature stole my Twinkie. But if I, we're going to give KJ the points, which means that KJ is going to come from behind Ooh. to win the Monster Squad episode. Yeah. Very well done. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you have any bonus questions? I'll double or nothing if you got one. Uh, yeah, sure. I got a couple. It's time for a bonus question. All right, uh, so this go this comes right from the big the opening crawl, if you want. Uh, so according to the opening crawl, how many years prior to the film had Abraham von Helsing and the fighters tried to rid the world of vampires and monsters? Second question, how successful were they? Uh, locked in. Locked in, but I don't remember the opening crawl. I just remember the scary German dude telling us stuff. So hopefully it's the similar number. Um, All right, KJ, what do you got? So I got 100 years... And then the last word of the opening crawl is hilarious and sets the to- to- and sets the tone for the movie. And is it poorly? Is it badly? Is it? I'm gonna go with poorly, even though I don't think that they would write poorly up in the middle of the poorly. All right, Tom. What do you got? How how have... long and how successful were they? Uh, I said a hundred years, and then I think it is they screwed up. All right, so a hundred years is the correct answer, but. I think I think KJ kind of got to the point where it kind of sets the tone for the movie. The the wording that, that that pops up at the end then really seems to linger on the black screen with the red lettering for a long time is they blew it. Oh, <laughs> that's what I, that's right. It's time for a bonus question. Last one I got, which I think is kind of out outside of left field based on all the campiness and fun of this movie that we've we've kind of talked about so far. Uh, this one comes also from the very opening as you're seeing some of the credits for some of the people that worked on the film. Who designed the monsters? And the hint is I wouldn't be asking if it wasn't a big monster creator name here. Yeah. Uh... Locked in with a vague answer because I think I read something about this. I'm going to lock into, I suppose. All right, Tom, what do you got? Uh, I know it's not Jim Henson, but I'll say that. KJ, what about you? <laughs> No, no, no. I want this movie remade by Jim Henson, just like right after he's done remaking Alien from last week. I want to see Dracula and the Wolfman walking around kind of like this where you never see the bottom half. One, one. (laughs) I guess he would start counting after when the Wolfman got kicked. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Two um, nods, one. <laughs> um, to answer your question about who designed the monsters, wasn't it the guy who originally designed Frankenstein back 50 years before this movie? Uh, I don't believe so, because no. the credits actually tell you that Stan Winston was the person that actually designed uh-huh. all the creatures. He's he's a famous from the Terminator series. Uh-huh. He developed the T100s and the T1000s and all those. So he's he's a pretty well-known creature designer that decided to work on a schlocky 1987, <laughs> you know, cult classic monster squad film. I mean, the Guildman looks fantastic. 
but I mean, it's, it was a little bit, it was a little abrupt seeing that name on this movie, but I guess that's how it goes in Hollywood sometimes. Well, congratulations to Nick, our winner of the week. Yeah, man, he Nick. is he is on a roll, man. I, he cannot be stopped. Summer of Nick. Summer of Nick. <laughs> Stay tuned for our well-framed but poorly constructed movie rant coming up right after this break. Join another Talking Studios production, Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. Text-based adventure games were computer games from before computers had graphics. The game uses text to describe a scene, and the player types back how they want to interact with the game. I'll read the text from the computer, and my co-host will feed me commands. This season, we're playing through The Hobbit from 1982 on the ZX Spectrum. Here's a quick sample. I thought uh, a lot about our first command, and I think it should be no print, because we don't want to print things as we're going along. I think by default... It's not going to print. And even if I did print, I, where is it going to print to? 1982? I would imagine if we go west, we're going to be south of the troll, right? Just south of the troll land. Yeah, let's try it. You go west. The troll's clearing. The visible... Oh, we died. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The troll, the troll saw us and killed us. So I think we have to see the answer to the riddle then. The answer is dark. Say dark, I think. Talk to what? Gollum. Gollum. Say Gollum dark. You talk to Gollum. Thorin says, hurry up. And we died. And we died. So we went northeast last time. So let's go southwest. You go southwest. Visible exits are north, northwest. You see the valuable golden ring. Oh, wow. here. that's wait, wait, wait. perfect. Oh, that's wow. perfect. Limited Lexicon coming to your podcatcher and YouTube in late 2022 by Talking Studios. And we're back. Audience, this is our second scary movie from our childhood. Last week we had Alien. This week we have Monster Squad. One was significantly scarier than the other. One had aliens. Um, so, Chris, what was it like growing up with Monster Squad? Was this an annual tradition? Did you watch it with other movies? All of my movie background comes from my mother. Like, we were the movie buffs of the family. We always saw movies together. We rented movies. We'd go to, even before Blockbuster was a thing, which that's not even a thing anymore, we'd go to, like, the hometown rental, and we'd find these really schlocky B-movies with, oh, that cover of that one looks really good. Let's pull that one. And my mom was a huge horror fan. I remember watching, you know, like Psycho and The Shining and like the real hardcore crazy horror stuff when I was super young. And she was a huge Abbott and Costello fan. And she loved Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and how all the universal monsters kind of get together and Abbott and Costello have this little romp with them. So when we saw this film on the shelf, which was the Monster Squad that had the the original Universal Monsters, or at least the 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 dime store, you know, ripoffs of them, <clears throat> and they were with, uh, surrounded by what appeared to be like a Goonies esque childlike adventure surrounding it. It was a, it was a, it was pure gold, and I remember watching it for the first time. I was probably, you know. 10 12 maybe maybe even a little younger and just falling immediately in love with it uh it was everything i'd wanted it was the you know it wasn't super scary but it was also the horror guys and the, the cool design and the dracula dripping from head to toe in bella lugosi you know icon iconography and just the idea of these kids going on an adventure like 
first off, why is Phoebe, the five-year-old, hanging out with the scary German guy, <laughs> bringing him to the town square? But I mean, they, all all the weird, strange, eightiness of it aside, it's still a really, really fun movie that just brings me back to my childhood. Uh, it is a pure nostalgia machine. I don't think it's a great movie. I know KJ probably has something to say about how it was shot, but at the same time, it, it's it's a little cringy to watch today in, in the social climate that that's here. But at the same time, if you think about it from that perspective as a child watching it, it's a really, really fun little adventure down memory lane. And you get to see some pretty cool Stan Winston designed universal monsters while you're at it. What about you guys? How did you guys, uh, Tom, you said you saw this today for the very first time. Yes, today was my, my first. I don't think I've even heard of it until you suggested it. it. It's not been part of my childhood. And it's not the type of movie I, I as a child, would have gravitated to. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, yeah. really, I'm shocked. <laughs> like, I, I've still not seen Goonies. Um, I did not see The Sandlot until I was in my 30s. I, I, I just, this was not my my genre as a kid. Uh, and um, so it's, a new experience for me, I understand why like maybe kids liked it growing up, especially if you're really like the, the, the Abbott and Costello reference is a really good one. I could understand why that was such a draw for you and your mother. And that's, a, you know, that's a nice thing to hear uh, about your, your experience as a child. Um, seeing it as an adult for the first time, again, I, I think I'll stand by my comments from last week, which is like the, the kids are the least compelling thing. The monsters are pretty fun. I, I would say, like, actually, I like the guy who played Dracula, and I wanted to see more of that performance. It's They don't do a lot with it. Um, it's pretty great, but I don't know that it belongs in this movie. <laughs> he stands out. like He's he's in a different movie than everybody else. Is what oh, do you like. think so? I like the, the the guy that's playing Frankenstein's monster was super campy. The wolfman's dancing around almost doing ballet. It's great. Uh-huh. But the Dracula, you know, Dracula... He's scary and like legitimately like terrifying these kids. I I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, that is. I think I get a little tired of the Wolfman actor because <laughs> there, there's a lot going on with, with Lock that. Lock me up. Lock me up. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a kind of a good spirit to it. I, I still I, like the kids are sort of a, a blank center. But even I like the father and the relationship with the father and the mother, which doesn't really get resolved, does it, in the movie? No, they, they don't resolve that. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of like plot points here that are just kind of like hanging loose threads. Like we don't know how they start and we don't know how they finish. So like. There's the whole thing about the mom and dad are getting a divorce. Like when Dracula shows up at the house to blow up the uh, the, the tree house. And by the way, another one-liner, meeting adjourned as the thing blows up. I mean, come on, that's, that's fantastic. How does he know uh, they're having meetings there? Who, who knows? Yeah. Don't worry How's about it. the kid has the... Anyway. I don't, did, you, did you notice the mom's bags were packed and by the door? When the dad rushes oh, in to find the kids, I mean, no. mom has packed. Mom is ready to go wow. right out the door, and Dracula blowing up the treehouse saves their marriage apparently because that 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 she was she was leaving. Mm-hmm. And then there's the whole the bit about the 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 old German individual, and they show his Holocaust yes. tattoo, yeah. and I was like. I, I, you can notice the menorah that's in the background when he's reading the German book from the first time serving them pie. And then they do this whole thing like I know about monsters and show that that tattoo. Mm-hmm. And 
it just it it seemed a little out of place in the movie. Like it's I appreciated really it, place. but it, it seemed is. a little out of yeah. place yeah. in the in the fluffy. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about pie as I'm holding this gigantic knife, and then we're gonna get super dark and serious for a second, and then we're back to campy campy one lighters eighty style. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little strange how they kind of just let things dangle there for a while and don't uh, don't really explain it. Yeah, and that, that is an odd tone shift with the with the German man who's a Holocaust survivor. It, it yeah, it seems sort of not uh, it's not a detail the movie can appreciate it doesn't have that kind of bandwidth um, on the campier side i really like the pilots that were flying oh, frankenstein yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was real funny and then the other scene that i really liked that's in a similar vein was um eugene's dad <laughs> oh there's a monster in here oh mr monster <laughs> like when he's doing that <laughs> whole thing mm-hmm. oh, that was great hey when, when was your first watch of this First watch, I so growing up, um, my mom, I think she taped it off of something, and I don't know that she watched it before she showed it to me and my sister. That opening scene is scary. It starts with that real slow tracking shot in this dark, uh, dingy dungeon, and then there's just this crazy fight. Like, w- w- right within seconds we see the monsters right this this is not a movie that holds the monsters back and then builds them up and then scares you with them right from the beginning here they are it's scary there's special effects going on that are pretty good for the 80s i mean they're they're campy and corny but they're pretty realistic for uh, you know a six-year-old watching monster squad um so i remember being terrified of this movie at least the first year i watched it and then i think we watched it every year for halloween it was one of the ones on rotation but we might have skipped that opening <laughs> scene every year they did a lot of transitions in this one like they show the wolfman kind of transitioning a couple times which is a classic if you're going to do a wolfman movie you have to show it uh i really enjoyed when they were doing some of the the dracula transitions from bat mm. to human like you don't really see that too often mm-hmm. especially when he gets shot as the bat and you see him upstairs and the like the kind of like man bat-esque yep. like look to him yeah. It's really cool. I think one of my favorite shots in the movie is from the plane scene that you mentioned where the guy decides to be oh, I'm going to I'm going to pull the bomber lever and we're going to let the floor <laughs> fall out and then Dracula just hovers there. I think I remember as I remember being a young child I'm like, "Oh my god, that's the coolest thing ever. He's just floating there cuz he's Dracula and he can fly. Oh my god." I'm just I, connecting I, these dots. So the one of the conversations the pilot has is how am I doing? I'm flying this old blah 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 bomber around and da 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 da. And I guess it's because otherwise, why would it have a floor that dropped? Like they were making sure yeah, why, the audience why was okay tra- with that. <laughs> why would it have a trap door in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other line I liked a lot is they're up in the clubhouse trying to get Rudy to join, or Rudy's trying to join the, the squad, and then they're about to go down, and there's nobody on the screen, so it's obviously recorded later. And Rudy says, Hey, how did the dog get up here anyway? <laughs> That's the scene where the dog puts its paw on top of everybody's hand, right? Yep, Which is yep. also really cute and adorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, so can we talk about the framing and the blocking here real sure, quick? Sure, go for it. Please, I, let's do. There's there's the one shot of all of them and Frankenstein's monster, and it's kind of like sunset. And it's this great wide shot of all of them kind of traveling together. Not quite Lord of the Rings, but I love that. This movie often has these wide establishing shots that I think harken back to either earlier movies or well-made movies. The the pacing of those shots I really like. The director was not afraid to keep the camera far away while stuff was happening. 
And even as a kid, I think I recognized that as like, oh no, no, this is a movie movie. Like this is this is something special because of the the way it was framed and put together. But what I like about it is it's also not that well made of a movie, right? Like Tom, you're saying the either the kids either didn't act well or weren't directed well or it's a poorly written movie. You know, I, I don't know what mixture combination there um, has, gives you, like, you, you get the feeling while you're watching the movie of that. Um, but I wonder if this would be a great movie to use in film school because it kind of has very stark differences between uh, the way it's shot and the way it was made. The monsters look great. They're some of the best monsters I've seen and they're not afraid to show the monsters. So I think there's a lot, it's a mixed bag. There's a lot of good, a lot of bad in this movie. Yeah, the shot I think I appreciated was the allusion to the original Frankenstein with the little girl by the, the lake, which actually does look like a very enhancing colored version of that that shot. And it, that actually does look great there. Um, yeah, so I, I noticed that. I wonder how many of the shots are actually references to universal monster classics sure you know that maybe the, 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 there are more illusions there than i'm aware of simply because i i don't recall these movies quite as well and yeah and and yeah so i, I can appreciate that i think the frankenstein is a fine performance also um you know he turned down a lot of big roles to to do this i uh, almost worked with Catherine bigelow and and instead you know did, did this film um instead of her film so, yeah, I can appreciate that. I, I, you know, it's, and it does have a sense of its own campiness, right? It isn't taking itself too seriously. Like the, you know, how the dog get up here is is funny. Um, if, you know, the the fact that Rudy is like a middle schooler who's hanging out with these elementary school kids and really wants to join this gang, but I guess he wants to join it so he could see, the, so he could be a peeping tom. That's the impression I got as yeah. to what his actual justification was. That's the cringe I think Chris has been talking. Yeah, about. That, that's, yeah, that's that's one of the cringy eighty things that's in there is that he's just trying to mm-hmm. to get a, a good vantage point on somebody's sister, which is a little bit weird. But yeah, I guess that's why he joins the group. Um, because otherwise, it it seems not to make a tremendous amount of sense. He doesn't seem that interested in monsters. And he also seems too cool for these kids. Um, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I suppose yeah. he stands out more. I, I think, think. Every, everybody was too cool to have any kind of character backstory development whatsoever. Yeah. I, I think the most character backstory development is you, the main kid is wearing a Stephen King rule shirt <laughs> yeah. or Stephen King rock shirt. Like that, that's the all that you need to know that this guy likes monsters and horror stuff. That's that's mm-hmm. enough. And we'll or you get just, Horace. Yeah, just Horace assume is... that these people are, 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 are good people that you should follow. <laughs> Yeah, you used to get a little more with Horace, but even there, it's not, you know, there isn't too much. Um, though I do like at the end when the army comes and they're like, <laughs> who do we talk about this? I'm like, you could talk to us, sir. Who are you? We're the monster squad. <laughs> they all hit, you know, do high fives high and whatnot. Fives, yeah. But they never then explain anything to the general. <laughs> they're too busy congratulating themselves. Do you guys <laughs> recall how the, the army shows up? Eugene oh, yeah. writes a crayon note <laughs> and it says, monsters are coming. Please send the army. <laughs> and if he, you see him folded up. The dog licks the envelope. Envelope. And apparently the U.S. military is so unbusy in the 1980s that we could just randomly roll tanks down Main Street of suburbia USA in order to make sure that Eugene, the five or six year old, is taken care of. How far is Transylvania from Russia? Maybe they thought 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, was a, it was a Cold War, the Cold War invasion. Yeah. Dracula, Dracula was bringing communism to the United States. <laughs> <laughs> we will all suck your blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I also imagine uh, I had read that there the director had big plans for the opening scene where there was going to be this giant army on horses attacking the castle. So there might have been a planned thing where the army was going to show up and battle these monsters. And I think the movie might have been lesser for it. So that we also, this is what we got kind of instead. Like, this is what the budget allowed was the army to show up and make a joke, and that was it. We bought this tank. Let's put it somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> I suppose so. This is classic, like, backlot, you know, this is classic backlot, uh, you know, like, studio film. Like, you can tell that that town square is on a backlot somewhere in Pasadena. Uh, <laughs> this was not a a, a, a well-budgeted on location kind of thing that that tank was probably the most the biggest portion of their budget beyond the uh the special effects well they try to go in the church right and they're like it's locked and they're like we, <laughs> we can't, can't afford, afford another set yet. it's locked <laughs> <laughs> again they couldn't use that mcdonald's uh, that burger king money huh well, yeah, I mean that's that's what it was. They didn't have McDonald's money; they had Burger King money. So they <laughs> couldn't they couldn't do any church interiors. They had to uh, settle with church exteriors. So speaking about product placement, so the the Burger King stuff was, um, you know, right in your face. But there was also a few scenes with Pepsi cans, but they weren't always turned the correct way. So I didn't know if like the product placement guy was just, eh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, Ru- Rudy, Rudy was always drinking from a Pepsi cup. It seems right. And uh, did you notice Adidas was a big a big thing? Like oh, the main the main ca- the main character is wearing an Adidas jacket at the end with the big you know three three leaf on the back. And mm-hmm. then when they throw when the Wolfman throws the cop in the warehouse when he's going to stick the dynamite in his pants, he throws him through like this entire gigantic shelving unit of blue Adidas boxes. I I, I did, it's one of those things that I pick up now that I didn't pick up even I don't know five six seven years ago like all these product placement things that i was supposed to pick up on and i want to buy adidas shoes because the wolfman threw a guy through them (laughs) the the cops have a rough time in this the cops are like red shirts so they every step of the way they're falling like flies i actually saw this at the alamo draft house in yonkers like live in the theater in like i don't know like 2011 2015 somewhere in there uh i was shocked when they blew up the cop in the car. Like, I don't remember that as a kid necessarily. Like yeah. I said, it's kind of glanced past it. But like when I saw it, it's like, oh my goodness. Then that's like the one like legitimate, you can definitely tell on screen death in the, in the whole film. Like other people get hurt or it looks like Dracula might twist their neck or something. And you, you're not quite sure if they're, if they're gone, but that, that guy got flambéed in that, uh in that car, which was like the one and only legitimate you can guarantee 100 percent on-screen death in the film well also rudy shoots a man to death in the street with a cop's mm. gun <laughs> i you know he's a bad guy he's the wolfman oh you're talking about the wolfman okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you're right that is yeah. another one but... but he says thank yeah. you at the end right he does say thank you and <laughs> so so let's just quick look at it so rudy one of his jobs is to get all the weapons right he's very cautiously steals the bow and arrow, which is yeah, a he's, great scene. He, he's making stakes. He's stealing yep. a bow and arrow. He's making silver bullets all while well, the kids are making business cards. That, so that's <laughs> my question. Let's say he gets a silver from some earrings, right? 
in his metal shop that he's melting down. Is there more to a bullet than just the metal? Yeah. You'd well, have it's to like the, the casing and the gunpowder and stuff, but the projectile would have to be what was made of silver. Okay. So he's putting that in front of a bullet? So he's going to, so that that is the projectile that would be the front of the bullet. You would put it into a casing, and the casing being hollow would be filled with the gunpowder that would be ignited to shoot the projectile forward. So how did, did he construct all that? In shop class, they had the gunpowder in the case. This is yep, the eighties, yep, I understand. Yep. But it's a different it's a different time. Different the, the time. Guy, you gotta learn how to make your own ammunition in anywhere USA. You can make your own bullets. They have bullet making kits. In less you, than twenty four hours? You absolutely can, and I think KJ's point is you could do that in a school. Right. <laughs> Wood shop, <laughs> wait, wait, metal wait, shop, wait, bullet in shop. A, it's in a, in a middle school, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we're told that this guy that looks like he might be 22 is a middle schooler. <laughs> I, I, I just want to once again say that this is this movie was made in the 80s, and its it's got some cringy moments to it, but it still is very much worth a, worth a watch. It's fun. Just don't don't take it too seriously and don't get uh don't get upset by it because it does it does have some weird parts to it that are not would not be socially acceptable today in a in a two thousand twenties movie for sure. Yeah, agreed. But it also has the synth drums, which are pretty great. And I mean, you can't ask for more one liners than these. It's mm-hmm. it's too too good to too good to pass up. And an excellent rap at the end. Oh yeah, the Monster <laughs> Squad rap. Oh my goodness, by someone I'm sure. Well, I'd like to once again congratulate our winner of the week, who's not here because he's working on his own 80s synth rap, Nick. Well done, Nick. Congratulations, Nick. I can't wait to hear that track release. Oh, it's going to be good. It's a Talking Pictures trivia 80s synth rap that I'm sure he's going to wrap up very soon here. Yes, yeah, we've been waiting all summer. (laughs) (laughs) The summer of Nick continues. Summer of Nick continues. Into the fall. (laughs) Soon going to be the fall of Nick. (laughs) (laughs) You can rate and review this show anywhere podcasts are available. For those viewing in YouTube land, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the Talking Studios channel for all our exciting content, and follow us on Twitter at Talking Studios. Check out other shows by Talking Studios, including... Keep Making Movies, where we explore micro-budget films. Limited Lexicon, where we play through text-based adventure games. And Get the Point, where we slowly reveal a movie poster and try to guess which movie poster it is. Got a question for us? Call the Talking Studios hotline at 201-467-8679 and leave a message. It may be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Talking Pictures Trivia wherever fine podcasts are found. Join us next time when we discuss a movie from my childhood, Lady Hawk, starring Matthew Broderick from 1985. Stay tuned for our first impressions of Lady Hawk. Ding, 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 ding. Next week, we'll be discussing Lady Hawk from 1985. Chris, how was your watch? I had never heard of this movie before, which is surprising because I love 80s period medieval castle stories. So I was surprised that I had never heard of this. Uh, And I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really good, except that it was probably about 20 minutes too long. 
and we'll talk about that next week when we kind of get into it. I, I mean, I, I really loved it. I, I thought the actors were there were surprising. I, I wasn't expecting to see that many what, what I guess would have been A-list celebrities in the late 80s, late 80s early 90s. Uh, I did enjoy it. I'm glad that I've watched it. I, I don't regret the two hours that I spent, but I, I do wish it was probably an hour and 40 minutes. But it was it was a good movie. What about you, KJ? How was your impro- how was your first impression? Well, so this is my childhood movie that I'm bringing to Talking Pictures Trivia. So I watched this when I was much younger. Um, my mom got it somewhere. It, it might have been like a legit VHS, maybe from the movie store. She might have taped it off of something, but I don't know. You know, actually, I was talking to her this weekend. I said, hey, I'm doing the childhood movie. Can you guess what it is? This wasn't even in the list of things, so it must have left a bigger impression on <laughs> me than I thought. But I was probably around 8 or 10, Um and, you know, I didn't think it was a good movie when I was a kid. This wasn't like, I liked this movie, but it was one of the first movies I remember seeing, like, that was a grown-up movie. You know, when you're like, oh, this is definitely not a kid's movie. And I remember thinking, something's not working here. Like, I'm bored. I don't I don't like this movie. <laughs> Great pick. Great pick for childhood <laughs> so, movie. So, but so, audience, don't let that discourage you. But I, I watched it again, I don't know, sometime around 2010, and I remember it being really fun. So I thought I'd bring it here. Um, this latest watch was good. It took me a few sittings because, you know, the jokes aren't even funny, right? Matthew Broderick can't even save this movie. The only thing um, that really, it doesn't work in the movie, but it works outside the movie is the the synth, the synth drums, audience. You're going to love the soundtrack. <laughs> How about you, Tom? How was your watch? I also had not seen this movie and... I have seen not very many Richard Donner films. I've seen some of the Lethal Weapon films. I I honestly cannot remember which Lethal Weapon films I've seen. And uh, it's a movie that it's very awkward. It's very long. It's really, let me start again here. What's awkward about this movie is you almost care not at all for Rucker Howard and Michelle Pfeiffer's characters. They're complete, <laughs> especially Rucker Howard's character. They're completely uninteresting. You care about Matthew Broderick, who, while he can't maintain an accent, I'm not entirely sure what he's doing with his voice, is still very lively and still very funny throughout the movie. And I actually thought he was going to end up with Michelle Pfeiffer's character at one point, just because they had far more chemistry than Rutger Hauer has had with anyone in any movie I've seen. <laughs> and that's kind of what I thought was happening. And so for most of the movie, I, I'm, I'm sort of checked out. And I say this as somebody who is a deep appreciator of Michelle Pfeiffer. I think she is a wonderful actress has been for many decades but she isn't really given much to do in this movie. She has no skills. She has no kind of purpose other than to follow this blonde kind of dull-minded knight. Yeah, who... she gets more to do as the hawk than the woman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she just kind of gets an arrow out of her. and then... uh, Spoiler alert, please. Oh, spoilers. Spoilers, audience. There's a lady and a hawk in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she gets shot with an arrow towards the beginning. Um yeah, she has very little to do. And Rucker Howard's character is, he he's also kind of depicted as a little stupid. All right, Tom, we're cutting you off. Audience, first impressions, <laughs> that was Tom's. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a pretty big impression, I guess, it left. We'll see you next week. Wow, Talking Studios.
Monster Squad is available on Paramount Plus at the time of this recording. <laughs> Tommy, always get a grin when I do that part. <laughs> I'm always excited. I never look, so I, I'm always excited to see where it is. And I'm just like, I, I'm trying to imagine like what percentage of our audience has these various services. streaming platforms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sign up for Paramount Plus. They have Monster <laughs> Squad. We'll be able to follow along with TPT if we do. <laughs> Walking up to theaters in 1987, we would have had to choose between Adventures in Babysitting, Inner Space, Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise, Jaws 4, The Revenge, Robocop, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, The Lost Boys, Dirty Dancing, and today's movie, Monster Squad. Chris will be our questionnaire today. Chris, what is Monster Squad all about? Tom, look at those movies. What would you have done? What would you have paid? You can't, like, look at that. What, what, what I have done? Was yeah, it? The marquee is just full of complete classics <laughs> that are terrible, but yeah. classics. I, I guess maybe the Lost Boys. Yeah. I, I, that might be the best option lost boys is probably the best movie on that list robocop is great robocop's pretty good the uh dirty dancing was all right i watched i I can't watch dirty dancing my mom loved patrick (laughs) swayze so every time i would like leave the room and go do something and then come back to the living room where the tv and the the vcr was dirty dancing was on the tv (laughs) so i i think i can literally reenact that and i could make a one-man play out of dirty dancing and be (laughs) word for word line for line and I do not think that that's a good thing. And Chris knows all the steps too, audience. I, <laughs> I, I have I have a my pet monster behind my pile of clothes. Well, I do I do the I do the, the dance with. It gets a little creepy, but it's all right. All right, I think I think I'm I think I'm ready to go. Nobody sure. puts my little monster in the corner. <laughs> Did you see the my little monster my my pet monster in the movie? He was actually in the movie. Oh, in dirty uh, dancing? No, in Monster Squad. When you, I was going to make it a question, but I didn't know if anybody knew who my pet monster was. I, I don't. You I, used, you I used to watch the cartoon. When uh, when Eugene has the mummy in the closet, the my pet monster oh. sitting on his on his dresser. Oh. I was so happy. <laughs> Well, congratulations to Nick, our winner of the week. Yeah, he Nick. is. He is on a roll, man. I, he cannot be stopped. Summer of Nick. <laughs> summer of Nick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what summer is not the summer of Nick? That's what <laughs> We'd have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is living life. Yeah.